Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike German. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, what's going on? A Friday pod. We usually never record this late in the week, but stuff's been happening. We had to push it, and here we are on a Friday. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little worried about you, though, Mike, if I'm being honest, because... Uh, <laughs> Do tell. Well, we just had a, a, a kind of... Um, a welcome party for Mike at his new place where we welcome him to his pool. It looks very nice, by the way. I saw the, uh, the Mike was sending me personal videos, but that same personal video he sent to me, (laughs) he ended up posting on his story. And I I just thought his backyard looked amazing. Well, you know what? So yes, I I do. I do have a new place. I had everyone over for the, uh, the NBA draft was last night. And so I thought what better way to sort of christen the the place for me than to have all my friends over and we can put the TV out and we'll watch uh, the NBA draft in the backyard. Shane, of course, was invited and expected to be there. My brother was in from Toronto. Maxie was in and Shane, you were supposed to be there. Yeah. I rearranged every Everything actually. I was supposed to be at uh, the cottage. I'm at the cottage right now. Mm. But Alex had put on the calendar, we're going to the cottage this week. And I was planning on going to your party. So I, I worked it out like literally weeks in advance. I said, let's postpone when we go to the cottage because I really have missed out on so many events and I want to be at Mike's party it's a draft party it sounds weird but the nba draft is important to mike and it's also (laughs) your new house more than anything it's breaking in the new house the pool so she she was thinking okay that's great mike has a pool i'll bring lucy and and betty i'll swim in the pool in the afternoon and then when it's the guy's time i'll leave you and i'll have a little soiree at our house while the kids are sleeping and I'll have a party at, you know, our house so, so she could be with her cousins having some drinks maybe while our kids are sleeping. It was all perfect. And then I called you the day before for, I think, something unrelated. And I go, hey, Mikey, I'm getting excited for that party. Something along <laughs> those lines. You went, well, it may mm. rain. So uh, let's not uh, counter chickens or something. And I was like, oh, well, I've heard that before because the first time we hung out, which was a week prior to that. It was raining also that day, and we were supposed Mm, to watch the NBA game six, which ended up being the championship game in your backyard. However, we couldn't because it was it was spitting a little bit. But that was enough risk to make you not take your TV out and put it in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So when you told me that, I said, oh, well, if it rains, will you be having the uh, people in your house to party? And you go, "Eh, no, it's more like a backyard pool party thing. So I go, "Okay." And then I, I, I checked the weather and it said 90% chance of rain. So Alex said, how's tomorrow looking? And Alex is my wife. And then I said, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. And she said, oh, in that case, is it okay if I go out, like out into the real world? Cause I have my, so I said, I said, now let's wait till tomorrow to see how the weather pans out. Cut to the next morning. It is an absolute crazy storm. Hurricane, a lightning bolt hit our, (laughs) not our next door neighbor, but the person right across the street from us. It struck their curb. Oh my God. And this huge explosion went off. And uh, when Alex woke up from that explosion, I said, yeah, you can hang with your friends tonight. Go wherever. Like for sure this isn't happening. Because of course I'm thinking, oh, Mike's no, it's only a pool party. He's not going to have all these people in his house. Like, I don't know, the Delta variant, maybe he's scared, even though he's double vaccinated. (laughs) And then just the way life works out, 
the way, you know, like the, it just became a beautiful day at around four. And yeah, I'm like, don't. Perfect. It could not be a more uh, beautiful night. I'm like, don't, a better night. I'm like, don't send the text, Mike. Don't. Then you send the text to the group. Weather's looking mighty fine right now or whatever you said. <laughs> and then it got like 13 thumbs ups or however many I'm exaggerating it to be. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this is an inordinate amount of champagne boys who are seemingly going to this party. Because I had talked to Greg uh, a week prior to this and I asked him if he was going. And he said he had to be somewhere in the States for a soccer game or something. Yeah, he was in Chicago, but he was back. I knew mm-hmm. he was coming for a long time. So, yeah. I he was pulled. talking a lot of shit about you, by the way. Oh, I got I He got, was so sad you weren't he, there, He man. was furious. Yeah, I got uh, an angry, passive, minimal text <laughs> from him. And then I gave him many paragraphs explaining this story that I'm explaining to you now, which is obviously overly long and true. <laughs> And then the ultimate move there to be mean is just to not reply to my yeah. paragraphs. And that's what he chose to do. Oh, and I, is that nice to do to a guy you haven't seen in 18 months? I don't know. But I swear one day if he ever has children, he may understand that they're with your spouse. You have to be considerate in a way. And I fell into this considerate yeah. Problem, which is I you, was I was trying to get some street cred with the wife or some husband points by letting her not letting her uh, giving her the option to <laughs> go out while I'm at home when there's a party that's definitely going to be canceled. Because <laughs> if I had said no, don't go out, and the party was canceled, then all of a sudden she's going to be pissed off. It was yeah. just this terrible balance. I took the wrong bet. And, you know, it didn't pay off. Greg was acting like he had just bought the house and it was his pool. That guy was holding court for like fucking five hours last night. Honestly, after the Raptors made their pick and we can get into that later, we everybody. This is why you're concerned about me, Max, is because of that pick. Uh, I am a little concerned about you. Yeah. um, Okay. We'll get to that. that We'll get to that in a second. Go go on. So Greg's holding court. But basically, Greg, everyone's kind of hanging on the pool. I eventually get in and the pool is a nice heated pool. And, you know, the later it gets into the evening, it's colder in the air. So nobody, once you get in the pool, you kind of don't want to get out of the pool because you know it'll be a little colder. And Greg basically just held court for like the last three hours of the night as everybody's like <laughs> drinking beer in the pool. Greg, because he works for for for, uh, for TFC, you know, he works for um, the MLS organization. Uh, we were just basically asking him about how he never flies uh, commercial anymore because all of his <laughs> flights are on a private jet. And he... And, and and he was also so he was just going on about how he hates flying commercial now. Like they went recently on like a personal trip, him and Laura, to Austin, Texas, and he couldn't fucking stand it. He was like, I fucking hate being in this airport. I want door to door service. And then the next thing coming out of his mouth was that if a sandwich costs more than five dollars, it's a ripoff. So he was he, there's a place in Toronto, Lambo Subs, which is like kind of like a hipster deli that people seem to like, and the sandwiches are like kind of expensive, especially compared to like Hamilton prices, and it's like fourteen dollars for like like a mm-hmm. classic like cold cut sub and he he went off on it for probably like half an hour which is how, how this is an outrage meanwhile he will not fly commercial anymore that was great another one from my brother like a big like uh, greg cheapism is that he doesn't understand why people pay for pasta in restaurants because he's like <laughs> yeah. i can literally buy that i can make a, i can make a pasta meal for two dollars from the grocery store and i'm like all right He's so confusing too because he kind of has high-end taste in other ways like he kind of is a bit of like a a brand whore when it comes to like, sunglasses, sunglasses, like particular kind of shoes. Uh, yeah, he's so he's a very confusing person because he, he's very cheap, 
but he likes very nice things. The problem is people told him early that he was a bit of a fashionista or style icon within our group. So mm-hmm. he there's a lot of pressure for him to uh, wear those brands. Yeah. But um, the night was the night was awesome. And basically at around probably like we, we had to make the decision like Dan Hamilton and I, if we were going to stay overnight yeah. at uh, your place, which you offered, there was like blow up mattresses. Or More than welcome. Uh, or if we just Uber back to, to Toronto and, you know, at that hour, you know, it's like a 45 minute car ride. You know, you split it. It's like 40 bucks a person. If there's three people, it's like, you know, it takes, you know, 25 bucks to get home. It's like really nothing. And everybody was sort of filtering out all the dads are getting on their bike to ride back downtown to Hamilton. And Mike, you were like, let's go. This is my fucking pool. We're hanging out. Let's, okay, here's another beer. What do you need? You're being a great jovial host. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here because I'm kind of tired. And Mike is just beginning to peak. Like his night is just beginning if if we stuck around here. So I look at Dan and I'm like, I'm calling the Uber right now. How late did you go, Mike? Well, and, and ironically, Did Jug the last, stay there? Who's the last person? Yeah, there? Jug hung. The last three standing were me, my brother, and my brother-in-law, Clay. Yeah, no Clay. one would have taken him on the uh, the no. board of last man standing, but he had a great time, and Jug was still there. Uh, yeah, you and Dan peaced out, and then, like you said, all the downtown guys uh, rode their bikes home, but it was just a really nice hang. And Shane, I didn't know my brother was messaging you in, 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 in an abrasive way. a tyrant, because he could yeah. be a tyrant. I messaged you, not knowing he messaged you, sort of like in a, hey, it's only like nine o'clock. He could still, like, is he is he around? Maybe like the kids stayed up super late and so he couldn't get that happening. So I was kind of like, it's still happening if you could like, you know, you only live. You- <laughs> but your first text to me was, uh, hey, I'm not angry or anything, but uh, like, are you okay? Like, like it was like out of concern. It, it was a funny text. Because <laughs> all you talked about all week was oh, how I, excited you were I for this draft I, I know. I was absolutely excited. Um, and then I, it was one of those situations I didn't want to text to say I'm not coming because that feels a little self-aggrandizing to be like, oh, I won't <laughs> be there. And then you, you, it's like announcing you're leaving a party. It's better to just don't say anything. Maybe, maybe it won't be noticed. But Greg, yeah. Greg messaged me that message. And then 10 minutes later, you had messaged me that are you okay message. So I was wondering if Greg was like, Shane's being an asshole. And then you were like, hey, I'm going to get in on it too. Mm. But no, no not my, at all. But my, I hope like you defended me and said, oh, well, here's the situation. I told him it wasn't happening and he has two children and he's a loving father and husband who's trying to be. But here, here's to- the thing, though, if we want to get into it, is that mm-hmm. I, I we totally get that. You know, the weather was looking precarious in the morning. Um, but then I will say, and, th- and then Mike explained the situation. It's like, oh, because the weather was looking bad. Shane said oh, to Alex, you go out. That got a lot of eye rolls because it's like, you know, this was a big event. This was a very, very big event. And that's when you go, hey, Alex, I even though I told you it was cool and you made your friends, I actually need to go back on that. Because I'm going to go back on Max. that. I Max. And here's where the consideration part comes in. <laughs> there, this, this is this is a two-pronged relationship. Way, you, you exhibit right? a, a level of sort of um, give and take that I don't have. That's why I'm not in the position that you're in. <laughs> but you, she hasn't been out like a, as I had already had my one outing with the guys. Mm. She hadn't had that yet. She was willing to let mm. me have the two outings. But ah. you can't give someone their first outing in 18 months and then take yeah. it away and say, oh, I want two and you get zero. Yeah, you okay. can't Fair do enough. that. That math works. Yeah, and for it. someone like Greg, I understand how he could be very upset by that. And I can imagine Mike 10 years ago being very upset by that. But I feel like Mike, 
was reasonable with me in messaging him. And you know, Mike, I would have like, I actually moved a whole trip just to make your party and no one was more pissed than me. And what shit was Greg actually talking and what was he actually saying about me? I, oh. <laughs> I, you want, you want to know the, the transcript? Yes. Most of like, what kind of, like, was it like public? Like, fuck him. He's a, I didn't hear him say anything about you. That's no, what I'm saying. This is news to me. No, Greg, yeah, no, no I didn't Greg hear him say a lot of fuck you. that guy. He was. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I actually, oh, yeah. I was also like in five different places in the backyard, sort of like hosting everybody. I didn't hear Greg shit talk you personally. And my, my check in with you is one, as a dad, I know shit happens. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked if everything's okay. Cause I thought maybe you just couldn't get the kids down. And cause like after you weren't here about the draft was starting, and I was like, he's been talking about this all week. You've been messaging yeah. me. You're excited. So that's why I genuinely was like, yo, are you good? Cause I, I thought you were coming, but you were missed Shane. Uh, I, you were missed. And you were missed. it was a very, it was a good time. Lot, oh, we got red rockets wings, Shaney. That's your fave. I, know I you ate like red, red rockets. rockets at home that night too. Cause someone had messaged in the group that it was national wing night. I'm like, if I'm going to be alone, I'm getting two pounds of red rockets wings and eating them all to myself alone. Yeah. Um, what else is going on though, guys? Um, Mike, do you want to give us a quick rundown of, of the Raptors draft pick and the, the, the myriad of emotions you went through? Because when they first announced the name, you weren't stoked on it. And then this morning you sent a new text being like, no, okay, maybe I'm coming around to it. Do you want to walk us through that for a minute? Well, you know, when you've been a lifelong Raptors fan, you really have no choice but to come around to it. I mean, it's sort of like an exercise in realizing you you can't control things in this life. And uh, so essentially for, for listeners uh, uh, that maybe don't follow the Raptors, I talked about it last time that they jumped up to number four in the draft lottery. It was like kind of like a big move. And the reason that was a big move is because this draft is sort of considered to have four stars. Uh, meaning like the worst that these four guys could be, like their their basement is very good NBA player. So Raptors fans got super excited because we're like, no matter what happens, we're going to get one of these four stars. So all of us have been excited for weeks, blah, 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 blah. The night of the draft comes. We thought maybe they'll trade the pick. They hadn't traded the pick. So it comes time and the Raptors on the board. And we all think they're taking this guy named Jalen Suggs, who was like an NCAA like superstar. And everybody was excited for him to come in. And he handles the ball and does a lot of things that the Raptors are going to need next year. The pick comes. We're all sitting there. My my whole my weeks have been leading up to this draft party in this moment where the Raptors I think are going to take Jalen Suggs, and instead they take this guy named Scotty Barnes, who is like very much like this player they have named OG Ananobi. He's like the six nine forward. He can't shoot. He's more of like um he's more of a risky proposition, but a higher upside. Meaning you know maybe one day he could be Kawhi, but how many Kawhis are out there? You know it's like it's not likely that he'll he'll reach that level. But I guess that's the thinking from the Raptors. But um, I posted on my Instagram because I'm filming this moment with all the guys when the pick gets made and they say Scotty Barnes name instead of Jalen Suggs. I was shocked. And and like, you know, Dan Hamilton, our friend, he cheered for some reason. He likes Scotty Barnes. Everybody else was kind of stunned. Dan and then Hamilton I start... said he likes chaos is what he said. Oh, that's what he cheered for. He was <laughs> yeah, cheering he for, chaos. for chaos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the sound of my heart breaking. And I, so yeah. I and you could hear me on the video going, no, no. Like I was like, oh, man, I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. And so now I've got to live in this world where like, you know, Jalen Suggs, he went to Orlando the very next pick. He's probably going to be like a rookie of the year candidate next year. I now got to root against him. I don't want to root against Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes. If he doesn't develop, it's just, it's just, it's just not a good feeling. I would have rather taken Jalen Suggs and sort of followed that. So anyway, I was like, I was bummed. I was very vocal about being bummed, but the good thing is we had a lot of like really sort of smart Raptors fans uh, overwatching uh, the draft and they started to pet me up. They started to make me feel good about the pick. And then when I woke up this morning, a little hungover, I started doing my reading and watching highlights and really getting into it. And that's when I sent to the group, I'm like, okay, I'm coming around. I'm getting on board with this thing. Cause this guy's going to be my life for the next half decade. I gotta, I got I gotta get on board. But, uh, 
Yeah, I'm on record now as saying I, I don't like it. And if Jalen mm-hmm. Suggs is good, you can come back and listen to this pod. You, and you know, it. you're kind of doing the yeah. thing though that I think your brother does a lot, where it's just like it's easy to be. And you're not like this. I think Greg does this a little bit more, but um, you are pissed off by it. So if Jalen Suggs is ends up being the rookie of the year, you go, I, I told you, I fucking told you, I was right. If <laughs> Jalen Suggs kind of sucks and Scotty Barnes is sweet, you're like, this is the best. Always trust Messiah. It's a win. It's a win-win when you're that kind of guy. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just going to ask Shane, did you watch the draft even though you weren't at the party? I did, yes. Were you surprised? I don't know anything about, like, I only watched one NBA game all year, and it was game six with you, Mike, when they <laughs> oh. when the Bucks won the championship. This has been a, cra- Which was a great a wild night, time. by the way. Yeah. We haven't done a podcast since Shane made his debut back into oh, proper yeah. society. Yes, it was a, not anti, is, is it climatic or climactic? How do you say that word? Climactic, I think. Okay. Erica, edit out me uh, questioning this or keep this part in. Maybe it's funny that I don't know. It was a little anticlimactic uh, for me because in my mind, for some reason, because Sean Dawson always overhypes a night a little bit. He'll mm. be like, everybody's coming out. You have to be there. It's going to be big. I'm like, this is my debut. I don't know if I expected a, a banner that said, welcome back or like all the guys <laughs> cheering when I walked in, but I was excited. So I went to the store. I bought 80 bucks worth of snacks. I'm like, I'm going to walk in. There's going to be a big gang. And then when I showed up, it was just, you know, Sean drove me down. It was just Mike there. It was kind of raining. And that that was it for the first little bit. I'm like, oh, uh, uh, where should I put my snacks, Mike? You're like, oh, uh, snacks. You, that's a lot of snacks. Jesus. There's like eight bags of chips. I'm like, uh, I guess you can put them over there in this little bin. I'm like, okay. So I awkwardly put them in the bin. And I'm like, oh, like, when are the guys going to show up? And you're like, well, it's raining. I don't know if we're going to do it here. We might just be at the bar all night. I'm like, oh, so the, the snacks don't really, I guess we're not going to, we can't bring the snacks to the bar. No, no. Yeah. Keep the snacks there. So I'm thinking Mike's just getting 80 bucks worth of snacks, you know, because you can't, you can't take the snacks back and sometimes getting out is tough. So we go to the, the bar and, uh. It was just like, oh, hey, Shane, like some guys would show up and be like, oh, hey, Shane's here. And just be looking at their phones. I'm like, guys, I'm back. It's like, oh, yeah. And I guess that night I underestimated how important Twitter is or your phone on a night like that. So or, or I've just been out of society for so long. I forgot how much people look at their phones. So mm, I've this whole quarantine time, I've associated my phone so much with work and being annoyed and frustrated or obsessively checking it. I didn't want to look at my phone at all just mm. to think about that world. But looking around, it was like anytime there was a mild break, it was like everyone was just on their phones. And it, like, it's not like I was disappointed. I was just like, oh, oh, yeah, this is I, f- I forgot that I was probably like this, too before probably even worse because i was always like filming everything and putting it in my insta stories back then but so it was a little like you know not the party that i wanted and i really feel the party i wanted happened last night Mm. if you 100 percent, what you were looking for is what happened if you had walked into the backyard at like 9 30 i feel like you would have got like a huge ovation yeah you would have but two things actually uh, to that uh, shane one i think it's funny because I think we're all having this fantasy moment of like the first time something comes back. And yes. I'm kind of 
Yeah, like I'm kind of curious to know like what the Jays game is going to feel like today or the first. I mean, like the, the our show at Budweiser stage, I think that'll be emotional. But there's a lot of things that you do that we're like, oh, I, I'm finally back in the movies. Oh, my God, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and then you're in the movies and you're like, yeah, I'm in the movies. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's, Yeah, it's, it's impossible not, it's, not to be a letdown. Yeah. Oh, hold on one second. I have a special guest call. Hey, um, Greg, how you doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Um, okay, you're on speakerphone right now. I just want you to be able to confront Shane right now. We're doing the pod. Can you just tell us a few things of what we're going through? What was going through your mind last night when Shane didn't show up? Oh, I was just thinking. You know, the guy talked to big game. He was texting me. He's like, I don't miss anything. I go out once a week now, at least at minimum. He's like, no one's, nothing's gonna stop me from coming to this party. I'm gonna go do cannonballs. I can't wait to see you. It's been two years, and I was very excited to see him. And then, uh, yeah, he just he just didn't even show. Up. And it, worse that he didn't show up, he didn't he didn't tell me he wasn't coming. You know, I had to text him oh. and tell him, and I had to be like, "What happened to you? You're all talk, buddy." And then he gave me this. I didn't honestly, I didn't read his text messages. He sent like twenty of them, and I was, I was like, "I don't care to read these." <laughs> so that's uh, that's what happened to me last night. And you know, someone worked out. I had a lot of red rockets. I would have been fighting Shane for a few of those. So. <laughs> not a big deal okay. but uh well maybe a few he, years I, until i see him again he he could he could hear you i don't think you can hear him talking back I can't, co- I can't hear anything com- now. oh yeah well, just, just read the text headphones. greg the text oh, tell the well, story it's the probably text better, tell okay the story. i'm gonna let you go I'm, I'm gonna let you go okay. and we'll and we'll talk mm-hmm. soon okay all right, all right. okay bye. bye okay sorry okay well, if you had anyway. read the text, I know Greg doesn't like, you know, he's like me. He's not an avid reader, but the texts do explain the situation, I think, quite accurately. Yeah. Well, anyway, that, that's that's Greg's sake, uh, not to stir the pot. The <laughs> second thing I want to say, um, so yeah, you're right. Like the first time you come back and you're like, oh my God, I'm in a restaurant. Yeah. Like, it feels great for a second. And then you're like, okay, I'm in a restaurant again. So it's not like this big like ceremonial moment that I think everybody mm-hmm. expects whenever they get to do something again for the first time. Because you're like, oh yeah, that's still Jug, who's just our buddy Jug, who's not going to like, you know, start <laughs> singing a song and wrap you in his arms and shit like that. Like what you're not like, that's not to be expected, right? I went to give Jug a, a hug at the end of the night because I noticed at the end of the, the night I was out, Mike was kind of hugging guys. And I was like, okay, maybe this is where we broke down. And I went to give Jug a hug and he just straight armed like a pencil <laughs> and was so uncomfortable and he didn't say anything i was like oh sorry i thought it was like a hug thing and he's just like <laughs> and then that was it but it was so okay weird. I'll, say, I'll also say about your your debut back in society so we go and we watch game six the bucks win the the, the championship or whatever we're on the patio of fishers or whatever and then we go back to my 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 backyard because we're like oh the rain's cleared up let's like keep the party going shane's out the snacks do get eaten i did not eat the and the snacks food. yeah oh totally they all got eight but what was what to me? So we're all drinking and we're hanging out in the backyard. And then at like twelve, twelve thirty, a couple guys are like, "All right, well, and that's a wrap." And they start going. And then Peak is like, "Shane, like you want to ride home?" And Shane's like, "Yeah." I thought because I was like, "Yo, this is like a two thirty, three a.m. night." I'm like, "This is Shane's night back. I have a thousand beers. Like, let's do this." And then everyone just cleared out, including you. So I thought you were gonna stay, and me and you were gonna we were gonna hang on the deck for hours. I would have loved to do that, Mike. But you know how I'm saying everyone was into their phones. I found you at the back party, and I know it was a big basketball night. You were like so into your phone. I was thinking. Is Mike really checked out of tonight? Is this not the night? Because usually you're the guy <laughs> and you have a vibe where it's like the vibe I heard last night yeah. where it was like, I got more cores. Who's staying? Yeah. And I never <laughs> say no when you do that. I, you know me more than anyone. I'm the guy who's yeah. there till 4 a.m. Yeah, but you weren't Ubering doing that. You like were like me. concerned and looking at your phone. And 
I was thinking, okay, tonight's not oh, the night. Oh man, no, you know what it was? Is so in that and that on my old deck, we had that table, and I found the circle was very. I couldn't get my chair in, so I was on like a mm. like it's like a fake Muskoka chair thing. <laughs> I couldn't get it in, so I was kind of outside of the circle, and you guys were really in there eating all the snacks. So I was like, I can't really weasel in, and the Bucks just won the the, the, the finals. So I was look, I was reading NBA Twitter a lot because the finals had just ended. Mm-hmm. So that that I, I you know what guilty and yeah. not something I was even aware of in the moment, but clearly. Uh, you know, I get though you this is an it. enjoyable pod for our listeners. We're it's really not. very like, self-indulgent. You know I can answer that, Max. It's not. This is more just like for me to clear the air and actually no, no, no. say what well, was going on that But night. I do think uh, what, you, what you're getting at is an interesting topic, which is, you know, as we reintegrate into society and there's more social occasions, what should be the po- phone policy? And one of the things uh, which I don't think anybody predicted about the pool is that the pool makes it so you can't look at your phone. So I, I'd, say, point. I'd say people were just like, you know, not looking at their phone probably for four straight hours as they pissed their night away into the pool uh, <laughs> and just chatting with their buddies. And it was kind of, and also- Extra I, chlorine I'm a, today. I'm a big believer in, um, I think good conversation often happens while stuff's going on. Like, I think sometimes, especially if you're not like five drinks in, the first, even with your good pals, the first like hour can be like a little awkward. Do you find, you know, even with our good pals, it's like, it's like, okay, you know, but when you're in a pool and you're doing stuff with your body and you're you're on a floaty device, like your mind works in different ways. And I think it's like watching a baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there are no awkward moments in that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So anyway, I think the pool is a great conversation piece yeah. um, in itself. Uh, have you guys been watching the Olympics? No. Oh, I watched three on three basketball. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Everybody lo- talks about it. I've seen a little it. bit of swimming, actually. Uh, yesterday, I watched a little bit of swimming. Yeah. What about you, Max? Uh, I have been watching a little bit. I went to actually a Team Canada basketball viewing party because the women's team was playing, I think, against China. And they had a viewing party down at Real Sports. And I got to say, it was awesome. You know, we're talking about like these... These things that we used to do all the time and took for granted. Being back like inside in a sports bar uh, was amazing. Also going to an event where there's like free food and open bar. Also amazing. Like, you know, like in our industry, whether it's music or entertainment, there'd be like a number of these things where, you know, come by for a cocktail hour and, you know, drinks and, and food is like on the house. And we just like, you know, we haven't had that in for, forever. And so... um it was cool. And I got to reunite. I posted a photo with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who is my guy, who plays on the men's yeah. team. Uh, and he recognized me. He When he came in, he went out of his way uh, to give me a little hug. And we talked. He was wearing a cool Def Leppard shirt. He said, I, I have a McCartney shirt as well. I like to go vintage tea shopping. Um, so that was cool. So I... I, I you, Are you going to... You should send him an Arkell shirt. Oh, maybe I should. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. There you uh, go. Uh, but yeah, I've been watching the Canadian women's basketball team. Um, what else have I been watching? Obviously, some of the swimming is kind of fun. Do you guys, but what, what I want to ask you guys, because you guys don't seem that locked into this year's Olympics. Who is your favorite Olympian of all time? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a funny joke answer, like Elvis Stoiko or like... That's a, no, no, that, that was answer, going to be my real answer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is why the Olympics are fun, is that like these, these people kind of come into our lives all of a sudden. And yeah. then, and are like the most inspiring people, uh, and they stick with us for for years and years later. Like, um, obviously, Donovan Bailey was it was an exciting one. 
I think that Penny uh, Alexiak is, yeah. she really captured, like Danica and I were very like sort of the, the summer Olympics, I guess, was it London? Whatever the four years ago Olympics Brazil, was. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. yeah, she was like amazing. And she's sort of like, she ended up winning like the Lou Marsh, which in Canada uh, for our listeners is like the sports person of the year uh, in the whole country. Anyway, like I, she was somebody that like, we really sort of like, wow, she's like dominant and sort of doing things that I don't think any swimmer has done from Canada for sure. Obviously, Michael Phelps is kind of like the goat of swimming, but Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Penny, we really got behind. So she, she might be there. She might be my favorite of all time. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie Surin, he, he was like a a sprinter, I think, um, on that Donovan Bailey four by 100 team. Mm. Um, (laughs) would it be unpatriotic to pick an American? (laughs) <laughs> we almost have to pick a Canadian, right? No, you you could you could pick a, an American. Do you guys remember? Um, I was talking about this the other day. Um, do you remember when Michael Johnson and Donovan yeah. Bailey had mm-hmm. the race, and Do- Michael Johnson's uh, was was the two hundred meter specialist? Yes. And Donovan Bailey is obviously the hundred meter, so they did a hundred and fifty meter race. Do you remember this? No. You don't remember this? Who won? They that? faced off, right? They didn't. They, it was it was it was it wasn't an Olympic competition. It no, was just like a, like a, a sort of like. For whatever, like a like it was, a yeah, it was a ticketed thing. event at Skydome yeah. after the yeah. Olympics. Where it was I remember this, I and remember it, it one of them raced game. like a horse and a uh, a car. Really, the car one. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> speaking think of uh, Johnson, <laughs> speaking of Donovan Bailey, uh, my our friend, our mutual friend Simon Jane is is doing a new podcast with Donovan Bailey called Running Things. So check that out. A little shout out. Oh. He's co-hosting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the host, and him and Donovan just talk about uh, Donovan's sort of career and ascension and all of that stuff. And Actually, name, Simon Jane DM me on he he bought tickets to, uh, to Bud Sage uh, weekend. So, what night uh, is he going? I forget which one, but it was very nice of him to support. But yeah, yeah you yeah. publicly posted that DM too. Um, but who oh, yeah. won? Did, did you actually? Yeah. He screen grabbed oh, actually, Speaking of friends, Unzi, Unzi reached out, and he was like, "What night of the Champagne Boys going to the uh, the Bud Stage show?" Oh, and actually, awesome. I think. Yeah, because I think he wants to come to one of those nights. Uh, I don't think there's a real consensus yet amongst like the the guys. Uh, oh, I haven't. I think this the Sunday night. I think everyone's talking. Yeah, about the Sunday. So night, Sunday, but, Sunday's a little easier yeah. on us. So uh, yeah. yeah, and we party afterward too because we're done. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. When you say easy on you, does the implication mean easy to give free tickets or are no free tickets? <laughs> I'm not asking for tickets. I'm just saying, is that what you mean? Yeah, that that's oh. what I mean. So we can get free tickets. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course. For for you guys? Come on. Um, but I, back to uh, Donovan Bailey and Michael Johnson. Who won that race? Oh, I think Michael Johnson pulled up lame. Um, and so basically... What does that he, mean? Like he, he stopped the race because his leg, he got a cramp or yeah, something. Yeah, he went oh, like 60 okay. yards and then he stopped running. Anyway, th- that Olympic uh, theme didn't really go anywhere, guys. I thought you guys have more attachment and memories of the Olympics, but... We can keep going. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I, I'm interested in, I remember having a conversation about this like years ago with Danica. Uh, we went to a Raptors game and, and somebody was singing the national anthem. And I started sort of asking about the nature of pride and, and like sort of how we view our country and the sort of like the sense of being a Canadian or wherever you're from. And, and I was saying how like intellectually, I, I sort of feel like, you know, we're born into these geographical lotteries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why am I born here instead of somewhere else in the world? Why do I derive pride from here? Like me and no one I'm related to, to like really built this country. We're just sort of, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're just sort of living within the system. And then she was kind of like, she kind of pushed back. She's like, oh, you know, like, and sort of talking about the benefits of pride in your country and all that stuff. 
but then I actually came to the sort of the realization that even though intellectually, I think that emotionally, like when I was younger, like when, when Canada would be in like the, the, the gold medal hockey game and shit like that, I couldn't help. I still like when I'm, I'm watching the Olympics, if there's a Canadian in there, I'm like, I'm going for it. Like I'm, I can't shake that. How do you guys view sort of pride in where you're from? Uh, like, do you take a real sense of ownership in it? Like, how do you view that? I'll start with you, Shaney. Well, we've had this conversation so many times and I, I was trying to define why I get proud of being from Canada. And I think it's just being grateful for your luck of where you're mm-hmm. from. And I used to think everyone is just, they're proud of where they're from. But I started talking to Uber drivers and cab drivers a lot, and they would just be so happy that they were in Canada and they would almost be dissing their country and how much better Canada was. I was like, oh, not everybody thinks this way. We're just very lucky to be here. And when something like the Toronto Raptors we're rooting for that team to to win the championship so we can enjoy the city just being joyous. And it's just a really fun time. And you know when you win a bunch of gold medals, there's an energy in the city and you want to experience that. And you know you're lucky and you're just showing your gratitude for it. That's a great way to put it. And I think now more than ever when there's all these little, like when it comes to people's like interests and you know, different corners of the internet and, and the way we're kind of divided in the way we think and feel and about, about anything. Sports is cool because it's like people from every demographic come together to, for this like collective goal of watching their team win. So that's cool. So that, so that, that, that moment of like collective joy, as you're saying, Shane is awesome. And that kind of can happen through sport in a way that like, it can't really happen in just about anything else. Um, and you, and you're right that like, uh, yeah, I do feel lucky to be in Canada. It's, it's hard to even to immigrate to Canada. I know we, we pat ourselves on the back to, you know, when it comes to like how diverse our country is and how we're a country of immigrants, et cetera. But it's actually quite hard. I think it's like, um, to get like landed status here is, is a very difficult process. So I think when, and, and, and there's probably an argument to be made that we should be letting more people in because there's more people that need a safe and healthy place mm-hmm. to raise their family. Um, but we've played a few Canada days over the years, whether it's in Ottawa or Victoria, and most of the people at Canada Day events are either senior citizens or they're first generation Canadians. It's like people like you and uh, you and me, like do not go to Canada Day on, on Parliament Hill or the legislature. For, for the most part, it's like, it's new Canadians that are like, oh, I'm so happy to like live here. And that's kind of a cool thing. Um, and I also, one of the things I particularly like about Team Canada at the Olympics is how diverse the athletes are. You know, it's like you see other countries where it's just like just the look of that geographic area. And in Canada, it's like, I think the first gold uh, was a Chinese Canadian. Uh, obviously, there's so many Jamaican Canadians or Canadians that are from Jamaican and, and then Jamaican and then immigrated here. Um, it's like every, every kind of person can live in Canada and represent Canada. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, uh, Maxi Erica put in our pod group, uh, there was like a promo for like the Canadian, uh, women's team in basketball. And it looked strikingly similar to the Arkells promos for the uh, Bud stage shows. It was, it was Canada soccer actually. And it could be a coincidence or maybe we're just tastemakers. And, uh, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, either yeah. way it's all good 
Well, staying on the sports tip, uh, do you want to talk about this Kyrie Irving thing, which I thought yeah. was fascinating? Mm-hmm. So Kyrie Irving, uh, the NBA player, it's kind of a sports-heavy episode and also, you know, airing out grievances of, of parties and backyard hangs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Kyrie Irving uh, posted uh, about his new shoe. So he has a signature shoe with Nike and uh, he's not a fan of it, apparently. And so much so that he went on Twitter, I believe, and he wrote, I have nothing to do with the design or marketing of the upcoming Kyrie 8. In my opinion, these are trash. I have absolutely nothing to do with them. Nike plans to release it without my okay, regardless of what I say. So I apologize in advance to all of my sneakerheads and true supporters of the Kyrie Irving brand. Guys, when was the last time an athlete flamed his uh, his partnership with, you know, uh, whether it's, a shoe or a clothing line or whatever. This is, uh, this is, I mean, if anything to me, I think it makes Kyrie seem more authentic. It's very on brand for Kyrie to sort mm-hmm. of speak his truth when it comes to this stuff. Uh, what did you guys think when you read this? I liked it because it just, um, Nike probably thought they wouldn't be called out for it or Nike. Nike yeah. is how you say it. So, you know, it's, it's always nice to see when somebody's not afraid or when they're they're a big enough star, they can actually speak out and not be worried that it's going to affect their pocketbook. So I, I respected Kyrie for doing it. Like you said, it definitely seems real and authentic when that happens. Like when uh, as the flip side of that is when Lonzo Ball was promoting his shoe, which was famously or infamously a not a good shoe, and he wouldn't even wear it his shoe during games or he had to change his shoe every quarter because it would keep busting out of the seams. And then after the fact, he admitted that wasn't a good shoe that I was promoting. So I'd much rather have that transparency, even though it does flag him as a problem to other companies. Like it's very brave to go forward with that and and have a tweet or, or an Instagram comment or however he let this out of the bag. I'd say I agree that's very on brand for Kyrie. I wonder, though, when you do this at every turn about any institution that is, that is paying you millions of dollars, at what point do people does 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 your argument beca- become like sort of tired or less legitimate and people go, it's actually maybe you're kind of the problem. And, and, and mm-hmm. here's the thing. I think Kyrie is really interesting. I think his politics uh, are very progressive and I think he's he's standing for a lot of causes that need to be talked about like I really admire him in a lot of ways but when all you do is shit on the institutions that are propping you up and and, and you I, I at what point is like well maybe you're not handling this as well as you could have because you're clearly a partner in all of this do you know what I'm saying like you know he, he doesn't talk to the NBA media and because he, he thinks the media shit but it's like one of the reasons why the NBA is popular is that there's a whole media industry around it covering the event. And like, anyway, anyway I wonder, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that, Mike? Is there is there a better way that Kyrie could be going about his, his business in, in, in even just a tactical sense? So he doesn't turn people off as the guy who all he does is just criticize shit. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, also there's like we don't know the the specifics of how this shoe came to be. Was is this the hundredth design? Is it the twenty fifth design? Did they try to reach out to Kyrie? Was Kyrie unavailable to comment on the design? And then he sort of just got a notification that they were moving forward. Like I'm sure that Nike has a version of how this whole thing unfolded. Uh, but obviously Kyrie's comments are the things that get all the headlines. Like 
you know, they might, they might say, Hey, we tried to design it in collaboration with Kyrie, but Kyrie's hard to get on the phone. Or maybe they say Kyrie wasn't interested. So this is the one we went forward with, or, or maybe Kyrie's totally right. And they basically just ignored whatever he wanted to do and then went forward with something that has his name on it. And he's like, listen, just cause my name's on it. I don't like this shoe. Make it better. I, I mean, I, I could see it from all angles, but I guess as far as like his, his approach, uh, to sort of like voicing his displeasure, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I, think it would have I, more weight if if somebody, let's say Kyle Lowry did that or or Steph Curry uh or LeBron. They'd be like, I'd take it just a little bit more seriously cuz I'm like, oh, these guys don't complain about a lot of shit and they have a pretty like even-handed approach to the way they kind of go about their business as professionals. I'd be like, wow. What but about they- Draymond Green if he did it? Would you who complains often, but you I have a feeling you tend to agree with him more. Than yeah, I'd like- probably agree with Draymond because Draymond seems like more based in reality or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like Kyrie is like, what do you yeah, what are you on? Did you guys see this um related? David Ayer slam studio cut of Suicide Squad praises James Gun James Gunn's new movies. Did you see this? I didn't see this. Okay, so this just came out. On Thursday, David Ayer posted an emotional letter on Twitter that praises James Gunn's Suicide Squad and revealed information about his director's cut of the polarizing 2016 Suicide Squad film. I put my life into Suicide Squad. I made something amazing. My cut is intricate and an emotional journey with some, quote, bad people who are in shit on and discarded, a theme that resonates with my soul, Ayer wrote. The studio cut is not my movie. Read that again. And my cut is not the 10-week director's cut. It's a fully mature edit by Lee Smith standing on the incredible work of John Gilroy. It's blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it's another person who's just like, some institution is taking my shit and I don't want, you know, I'm disappointed with the thing I'm supposed to be a part of. Yeah. Machine yeah. Gun Kelly just shit on the movie he was in where he met the love of his life, Megan Fox. Really? Yeah. That I didn't even know Machine Gun Kelly was an actor. Oh, yeah. He's been in several films, but he, wow. he publicly said, if I don't promote a movie, it's because I think it's trash as <laughs> he he was supposed to be promoting his film. Do you think this is like this is the new phenomenon where where celebrities have so much power because they ultimately have more followers on Instagram mm-hmm. or TikTok than the studio itself? Do you think that's going to get worse? Because it feels like I'm hearing more and more and more of just people just sort of talking out of school. But maybe that's the way it always should have been. Well, the the question's very presumptive that it's bad to do so, yeah. right? Because because what's happening now, and and, and you know, get to kind of get back to Kyrie's being relatable, is I think like what happened is it's like people start to be polished. You were media trained, right? So if you're an actor or you're an athlete and you talk to them, you, you sort of have a way you present yourself and you don't upset your sponsors and you don't you know disrupt your partnerships and you sort of play the game, whatever that is. I'm doing air quotes. But real people aren't like that. They have grievances. They bitch about them. They'll, you know, there's people that go about things in sort of a more emotional way and aren't going to be quiet. What's happening now is it's like, I think these people are revealing themselves in a more authentic way, which I actually think makes people more close to them because they go, hey, Mm. one, I'm getting let in on a truth that I didn't have access to before. Uh, And two, their anger or like upset is actually way more relatable because that's how people are in the real world. They're not all like perfect, like sort of media machines that are always putting on like a whatever, some sort of front for the the, the public. Um, 
But that is interesting about David Ayers. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned sort of these these celebrities talking. About, I, I, Matt Damon's doing like a press tour for this movie he's got out uh, called Stillwater or whatever. So I listened to him on Marin, uh, and I listened to him on Simmons. Had him on the podcast too, and so I ended up listening to Damon in both of these interviews. And it's so funny when you listen to these guys because he had like three good overlap stories where he he has this anecdote he tells about the Great Wall, which is a movie he did that bombed and it was killed by critics. And he has a very sort of like tasteful way of basically saying, I was in a turd. And it starts by praising the director and how this director did this amazing work in Asia. And that's why he wanted to work with him. But then basically, he, 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 the guy, he was making certain choices. And Damon asked through an interpreter why we're doing this. And the guy was like, well, because this is, I'm, I'm making an American movie. And Damon's like, no, no, the reason I worked with you is because I, I didn't want you to make an American movie, et cetera, et cetera. But he sort of talked about this this bomb and this turn away. And his daughter has a joke about the Great Wall. She like, I guess she kills it where when they have guests over, she's always like, oh, that movie you did, The Wall. And he's like, actually, it's called The Great Wall. And she says, there's nothing great about that movie. Gets a laugh <laughs> on both podcasts. Um, uh, and it's funny listening to him wind up to tell the story, knowing that the story's coming when you've listened to him on two of these sort of like media round podcasts. <laughs> But he's an example of a guy that basically was able to talk about work he did that wasn't received well or that he thought wasn't good in a super tactful way that I don't even think the people that made the film would sort of uh, disrespect. Timing matters there, though. Space and time. Where do you guys stand on that? You know, like, is it better to take the high road and be gracious about those failures? Or do you do do, do sort of is there something cathartic about pointing a finger and distancing yourself? Depends what it is and how involved you were and what you were promised early on. I I think if. It was a shoe, for example, and they're like, we're going to put your name on this shoe. I would think it would be a given that I'm going to have to sign off and be happy at the end of the day. And I think if you're that company and you're dealing with a personality like Kyrie Irving, you would know when you got into it, that's what you're getting into. This is kind of a difficult personality type. He's going to push back. Like if I went into business with Dennis Rodman, I wouldn't be expecting him to be answering every email within 10 minutes. I would be thinking, oh, we're going to have to chase him around a bit. It's going to be hell, but we're going to have this cool shoe that's going to appeal to a different audience. So very, I would find it very odd if a shoe that was willing to put my name on it wouldn't let me sign off on it. But if I was in a movie and I was the third star, I certainly wouldn't complain about it. I'd be grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, I think there's like the odd person in celebrity culture that is really rewarded for being just a complete class act. Like, you know, you think of like Tom Hanks or George Clooney, like they're like, oh, those guys like just do it right. They're great leaders. They treat everybody like a million bucks. But I'd say for the most part in celebrity culture, and it seems like it's going more and more in this direction, the more edgy you are or somewhat unpredictable, that that sells a little bit more. Like there's there's something more interesting about that and, and it's more of a conversation piece and it makes more headlines um so i think that behavior feels like it's being encouraged more than ever especially when it just comes to people's like personal branding it's like, wh- like what is the controversy you know i think what tiktoks that have done well for arkells it's usually something that's like a little fuck you like it's like mm-hmm. me s- clapping back at somebody who left a comment or something mm-hmm. and if i'm trying to do something kind of sweet or more thoughtful i don't know if it reacts exactly in the same way so yeah i think the i think the reward system is 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 what we're talking about in a way because you're saying that people respond more to like uh like negativity like yeah. there, there's almost something more attractive about that because it's dramatic whereas like the saccharine stuff or the sweet stuff people just maybe just move on from it yeah what is that is that human nature just the way that we we're, we're attracted to drama 
I think yeah, that's probably I think, what it is. I think the thing is now with social media, it's like people who maybe would have been curbed back in like the old media system where they go, oh, I want to talk a lot of shit, but I just can't because if I talk so much shit, I'm not going to get the interview with the Rolling Stone. Oh, fuck, okay, I won't say anything. Now we're just like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet and say whatever the fuck I want because ultimately I have the power. I'm not, there's no gatekeepers that are going to keep me from my next gig. And so I do think- Well, I there's think that people is, and being canceled and it is still very risque to say anything you want. I do think there no, are that's true. many gatekeepers that's true. now. It, it, it depends, yeah, you know, you're right on that. I guess it depends on what the, 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 the subject is. But uh, yeah, it does feel like, yeah, there's people. There's more outlets to say like things that are controversial that maybe they wouldn't have said in the past. It, but maybe but I don't you, know. Good, I good find point on TikTok, it, with TikTok, if you do something very, there's three pillars to it. If you do something very emotional that resonates, if you do something that's an awesome clapback that resonates, and if you do something that's very funny, it resonates. It just needs to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anything in between doesn't really work. I've found. Should we get to the dessert? <laughs> All right. See, comedy well, works. Yeah. There you go. Let's <laughs> let's go to the dessert. Here, here's the problem. I made my dessert, but you had already brought it up. I was going to get into society and cell phones, <laughs> and I was going to talk about. I was actually going to mention how the pool party is so genius because people can't look at their phones. Oh, you've you've already point. touched on all these points, but yeah, what do we think about? Let's say oh. we're not in a pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cell phone rules when we're out in public, hanging out with the boys. Is that cool or is that just going to be such a buzzkill it's not even worth the while? I th- it's, a, it's an interesting question. So a couple things. Like I think it would be weird to... I mean, listen, Like if we all agreed upon it, it would be totally fine. And I think it's actually a cool approach. I also think... You caught a weird night. It was game six of the NBA finals. So NBA <laughs> yeah, Twitter was going off. I know. I, know. I don't. <laughs> I, I actually don't like in, in hangs like Max. Mm-hmm. Like I don't tend to look at my phone. No, a bunch you're pretty good. Unless it's a draft. Like, you know, like you're kind of caught up in an NBA Twitter thing. But like, yeah, I, I don't. But I, I, if we were all going for dinner, I don't know, Shane. I think you just got a weird night. Like, because like I hang out with the guys. I don't know. Shane, Maxie, do you find that guys are looking at their phones a lot? Or maybe we're also, because we're part of the problem, we're not seeing it. I, I actually messaged Greg about it. And I said, yeah, because he, he was asking me how the night was. I was like, it was great. It was just, there was a couple weird things. I felt like I was on a Zoom delay a little bit. Like I felt a, like a little bit of a step behind. And I found that I was noticing people on their phones more. And Greg said, I was the exact same way when I went out. But I just attributed it to that I was out with people I didn't know that well. And they were using it as a, a cushion to curb social awkwardness. Interesting. Okay. So um, I think, I mean, we we made an agreement to not look at our phones because we didn't want any woge bombs to happen. So we didn't want anybody breaking news in the draft yeah. while the thing That's was on. That's what gave me made- the idea. I saw you put that in the the text group. And I was thinking, oh, he's doing this to so everyone's more engaged in conversation. And then I was thinking, oh no, it's because of the woge bombs. He doesn't want things to be spoiled for the the show. Yeah. So th- th- I think I think not having the phones around is good. Also, like there's just like a natural energy that picks up after like usually an hour after people's like second drink, which kind of really gets things going. Which which obviously is helpful. Um, but I think okay, I've had this idea for a while. Like I just like to have more sort of like subjects lined. I want more debate, like, because it's so easy to talk about <laughs> um, just like menial, like small talk. And even with good friends, it can it can pretty quickly kind of just turn into, you know, 
talking about people's kids or like boring work shit or whatever. And then the stuff that I really want to talk about are stuff that like, you know, a little bit more on the edges, something where like people have like different opinions. I want people to, I kind of just want people to argue more. And actually what was awesome the other night, uh, which was sort of a fantasy for me, um, is I went to this Canada basketball viewing party and they invited a bunch of, you know, basketball players and Olympians and Adam Vancouverden, who is one of Canada's most decorated Olympians, he showed up because he made a little speech because he's there for Team Canada. He's also a local MP and he's a friend. Like I've known Adam and we have lots of mutual friends for a long time. So at the table was Adam Vancouverden, who is a liberal MP in Milton and Dr. Matt Savelli. Savelli is like a staunch fucking communist, basically. He's only voted NDP his entire life. He, he canvasses and volunteers for the NDP. I was like, Guys, this Savelli, you've been waiting to have an intimate one-on-one with somebody from the Liberal Party about all your grievances with the Liberal Party. Let's fucking go. And so we start. So I'm basically moderating this conversation. Uh, and so and I'm like, all right, Savelli, what's your number one gripe with this? And how would you respond to that, Adam? And they go back and forth. And it was awesome because Savelli is a very like rational, like good natured kind of person. So is Adam Vancouver. And he basically got to address a lot of the questions Savelli had, and it was this very sort of uh, vigorous debate, and I fucking loved it. So I kind of want more of that. And it's not every day you get like you know a politician sitting at your table, and not that everybody even wants to talk about politics, but like what are those subjects that people can like get into a fiery debate about and and not want to kill each other afterward. That's so, interesting so that, that- because a lot of people make the rule don't talk about religion or politics. You're saying. F that. Let's go and talk. Only about talk things. about religion and politics. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of having a conversation board. It's interesting. I wonder if it would work. Yeah. But I like that idea. Yeah. There's something. I, I mean, by the way, I, I want to also add that it, it often naturally gets there anyway. Like, so I, I'm just saying there are parts of the night when you go out with your friends that I'd say 30% is uh, fat and could be cut. I think no I think way. thirty I think thirty percent of the night is is filled with small talk that I don't really give a shit about, and then seventy percent of it is fucking awesome. And it depends on the it depends on the night, and it depends on the company, et cetera, et cetera. But Mike Shane, is that a, is that a fair percentage that I'm throwing out there? For me, I find ninety percent of my night is just talking to the single guys and talking about their personal life and getting into all the details of what they've been doing, and that's what I focus <laughs> on for hours. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.